Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't black go having the businesses and industries. There's a direct link, black won't practice group economics, black won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourself up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economics. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control business and industry and put that pools in your money and hold that money and, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 or 13 times what it leaves. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside of their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor. You buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35 thousandths of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't, you got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people, you can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you and O'Reilly. They can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisons in the United States are black people. You know, you know you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they over-incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marches they never changed anything.
My home is not for sale. And if my home isn't safe, nobody's home is safe. What Jim Salit is talking about is the city of Lakewood, Ohio, taking his house, his home, through eminent domain to make way for a high-priced condo that will pay the city more in taxes than he and his wife Joanne do. And he says he's not going to take it lying down. It's a close-knit, beautiful neighborhood. It's what America's all about. And I'm going to fight them tooth and nail. I've just begun to fight. I'm Mike Wallace. I'm Morley Safer. I'm Ed Bradley. I'm Steve Croft. I'm Leslie Stahl. Those stories and Andy Rooney tonight on 60 Minutes. Just about everyone knows that under a process called eminent domain, the government can and does seize private property for public use to build a road or a courthouse. But did you know the government can also seize your land for private use if they can prove that doing it will serve what is called the public good? Cities across the country have been using eminent domain to force people off their land so that private developers can build more expensive homes and offices which will pay more in property taxes than the buildings they are replacing. Under eminent domain, the government buys your property, paying you what is determined to be fair market value. But now, people who don't want to sell their homes at any price just to see their land go to another private owner are fighting back. The bottom line is this is morally wrong, what they're doing here. This is our home and we're going to stay here, and I'm going to fight them tooth and nail. I've just begun to fight. Jim and Joanne Salida are refusing to sell the home they've lived in for 38 years in a quiet neighborhood of single-family houses in Lakewood, Ohio, just outside Cleveland. The city of Lakewood is trying to use eminent domain to force the Salites out to make way for more expensive condominiums. But the Salites are, in effect, telling the town, hell no, they won't go. We talked about this when we were dating. I used to point to the houses and say, Joanne, one of these days we're going to have one of these houses. And I meant it. And I worked hard. What did you do? I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, we worked very hard for this and paid it off. And we said, oh, we've got it. We, we paid off our home. I retired. And now we're going to spend the rest of our days here and pass this on to our children. But Lakewood's mayor, Madeline Kane, has other plans. She wants to tear down the Salit's home plus 55 homes around it, along with four apartment buildings and more than a dozen businesses, so that private developers can build high-priced condominiums and a high-end shopping mall, and thus raise Lakewood's property tax base. This is a project... The mayor told us she sought out a developer for the project because Lakewood's aging tax base has been shrinking, and the city simply needs more money. This is about Lakewood's future. Lakewood cannot survive without a strengthened tax base. Is it right to consider this a public good? Absolutely. What you're saying effectively is that the Salit's neighborhood has to be sacrificed for the greater good of the city of Lakewood. I guess I'm saying that uh, that neighborhood is being asked mm -hmm. to, um, and it's difficult and it's unfortunate that they are being asked to give up their home. They want this whole area because of the view of the park. Well, it's a beautiful view. It is an awesome view. They know it's gorgeous, and they want it. It's that simple. This whole area is called Scenic Park, but that's the problem. 
Because it is so scenic, it's a prime place to build upscale condominiums with great views over the Rocky River. Those condos will be a cinch to sell. But the condos can't go up unless the city can remove the Salites and their neighbors through eminent domain. And to legally invoke eminent domain, the city had to certify that this scenic park area is really, quote, blighted. We're not blighted. This is an area that we absolutely love. This is a close-knit, beautiful neighborhood. It's what America's all about. And, Mike, you don't know how humiliating this is to have people tell you you live in a blighted area and how degrading this is. You're the mayor. You know the place. Tell me what is blighted about that area. The term blighted is a statutory word. It, is, it really doesn't have a lot to do with whether or not your home is painted. It is a legal what does it have to do with? statutory that? term Meaning? that is used to describe an area. And the question is whether or not that area can be used for a higher and better use, whether wait, wait, that wait. area... Wait, What does that mean, a higher and better use? What's higher and better than a home? The term blight is used to describe whether or not the structures generally in an area meet today's standards. And it's the city that sets those standards. So Lakewood set a standard for blight that would include most of the homes in the neighborhood. A home could be considered blighted if it doesn't have the following. Three bedrooms, two baths, an attached two-car garage, and central air. Now, this community is over 100 years old. Who has all those things? You mean it's blighted if it doesn't have three those bedrooms? Those things I just told you. That's the criteria. And it's ridiculous. You don't have central air. No, and we don't need it because of the air. We always have a breeze. Sure. Right off air. Lake Erie, the breeze comes right through here all the time. We counted all the attached garages in Lakewood. There's 20 in the whole city. We counted 20. And by the way, we got up at a meeting and told the mayor and all seven council members their houses are blighted according to this criteria. My understanding is that using the criteria that are in place, more than 90% of the houses in Lakewood could be deemed blighted, including the houses of the mayor and of every one of the city council members. True? Do you have two bathrooms? No. Blight. Two-car garage? No. Blight. <laughs> is the garage attached? No. Blight. And your lot size is under 5,000 square feet? Oh, well under. You've called that area a cute little neighborhood. You didn't call it a cute little blighted neighborhood. I mean, you and I know that it's not a blighted neighborhood. I would never personally walk that neighborhood and uh, indicate that that neighborhood is not attractive or... I mean, I would never say that. Um, it's a cute little neighborhood. It is a cute little neighborhood. You'll get me to say it on the record. It is a cute little neighborhood. <laughs> cute? Maybe. But without those new condos, it won't produce enough property taxes to satisfy the mayor and the city council. That's no excuse for taking my home. My right. home is not for sale. And if my home isn't safe, nobody's home is safe in the whole country, not only Ohio, but this is rampant all over the country. It's like a plague. 
this is a nationwide epidemic. We have documented more than 10,000 instances of government taking property from one person to give it to another in just the last five years. Dana Berliner and Scott Bullock are attorneys at a libertarian nonprofit group called the Institute for Justice, which has filed suit on behalf of the Salites against the city of Lakewood. They claim that taking private property this way is unconstitutional. It is fundamentally wrong and contrary to the Constitution for the government to take property from one private owner and hand it over to another private owner just because the government thinks that person is going to make more productive use of the land. Everyone knows that property can be taken for a road, but nobody thinks that property can be taken to give it to their neighbor or the large business down the street for their economic benefit. People are shocked when they hear that this is going on around the country. And it's not just people's homes that are the targets in these eminent domain cases. The Institute for Justice has also filed suit against the city of Mesa, Arizona to save Randy Bailey's brake repair shop, okay, the shop he got from his father and hopes someday to pass on to his son. The city of Mesa, citing the need for redevelopment, is trying to force Bailey to relocate to make way for an Ace Hardware store that would look better and pay more taxes. Redevelopment to me is, uh, you know, work with the existing people there and redevelop. Right. Not, you get out, we're bringing this guy in. Bailey's brake service has been on this corner for more than 30 years. In Mesa, this is the corner, Main Street and Country Club. There's not a better corner in this city. And business has been pretty good down the years? Business has been awesome. Now, what used to be in all of this property? I mean, everything else has disappeared. The city come in and, and uh, got immediate possession and started demolishing it, making it dirt. The city has made dirt out of three restaurants and four businesses that once stood on this five-acre lot. And it's not just business properties that they're doing this on. You know, they wiped out eight people's homes over here. You know, your home ain't even safe. Bailey told us his neighbors let the city buy them out, but he's refusing to sell. I'm, I'm standing in their way. I'm their thorn in their side. A thorn in the side of Ken Linhart, who owns the Ace Hardware store a few blocks away. Linhart wants a much bigger store. He could have negotiated with Bailey, but instead, he convinced the city of Mesa to try to buy Bailey's land through eminent domain and then sell it to him. The city of Mesa wants to move Mr. Bailey about a block away, and from what I understand, it's going to be a new building, new equipment, uh, moving expenses, and everything set up for him. I don't see how Mr. Bailey's going to get hurt. You can't replace a business that's been in the same location. This place was built in 1952 as a breaking front-end shop. I don't care where you move into the city, Mesa, it would never be the same. So Bailey went to Lenhart looking for a way to stay on his corner. I tried to go to him and see if we couldn't work something out on this. And he told me, no, there ain't room for you there. We're going to let the city just take care of you. Did you ever sit down and try to negotiate with him? No, I never did. Redevelopment seems to me to make obvious good sense. But the right of eminent domain to take one man's private property, Randy Bailey, to give it, in effect, to Ken Lenhart for his private property. It happens all over the country. Practically any town you want to go to, they're redeveloping their town centers. Right. Now, are we going to sit in Mesa, Arizona and have our town center decay? As a citizen of Mesa, I don't want that to happen. 
If I'd had a for sale sign out there, it'd been a whole different deal. And for them to come in and tell me how much my property worth, and for me to get out because they're bringing in somebody else, when I own the land, is unfounded to me. It don't even sound like the United States. And this isn't happening just in small towns. Right here in New York City, a few blocks away from Times Square, New York State has forced a man to sell land on that corner over there that his family had owned for more than 100 years. And what's going up instead? A courthouse, a school? Nope. The new headquarters of the New York Times. It seems the world's most prestigious newspaper wants to build a new home on this block. But Stratford Wallace and the block's other property owners did not want to sell. Wallace told us the newspaper never tried to negotiate with him. Instead, the Times teamed up with a major real estate developer, and together they convinced the state to use eminent domain to force Wallace out by declaring the block blighted. I challenge them, this is not, this is not blighted property, nor is this property over here blighted. But New York State Supreme Court disagreed. The court ruled that the newspaper's new headquarters would eliminate blight, and that even though a private entity, the New York Times, is the main beneficiary, improving the block would benefit the public. New York Times executives would not talk to us about it on camera. Back in Lakewood, Ohio, Jim and Joanne Salide are still waiting for their court decision. Most of their neighbors have agreed to sell if the project goes ahead, but the Salites plus a dozen others are hanging tough. I thought I bought this place, but I guess I just leased it until the city <laughs> wants it. That's what makes me very angry. This is my dream home, and I'm going to fight for it. Now the fight is moving to the ballot box. Lakewood residents opposed to the development have gathered enough signatures to force a citywide referendum on it come November. Okay, they left out they left out one of those stories. Uh, I must have had a short version of that episode. And anyway, today's podcast is titled The Miseducation of Western Civilization. The Miseducation of Western Civilization, live stream number 619-768-2945. In that 60-minute, and, and we'll probably do a series this week on the miseducation of Western civilization, which includes the dumbing down of America. What's been happening on a global basis? What what you heard there on that sixty minutes piece? Demographically, there was well, there was one old story that uh, on a longer version, the full version of that piece that you just heard uh, was uh, that takes place in Manhattan, New York. Uh, on a demographic scale, we're talking about gentrification. And a lot of people know this. They're more, because the United States is all into colorism and identity politics. In the United States, white neighborhoods are gentrified at a more rapid rate than black or brown neighborhoods. In that 60 Minutes piece, um, each from Randy Bailey in Arizona. I'm going to try to get him on here. I talked to him briefly like a couple of years ago. Try to get him on here. Um, Randy Bailey, white man with a family shop in Arizona, Mesa, Arizona. He had the Salites in Ohio. Um, 
And then you, uh, it was another story of uh, some guy uh, up in Manhattan, New York. He had a piece of prime property in Gorgeous. In Manhattan, everything's fine. But so he was forced out. And that piece was done back in the 70s. That 60 Minutes piece. Now, as Jump Salib stated in that audio, it's not only restricted to Lakewood, Ohio, but it's rampant in the entire United States. And you know what? I'm going to say primarily in your major metropolitan areas. Um, Rural areas, not so much, but in your your, your top rank, I would say top 200 largest populated cities in the United States is is more prevalent. But But that's the United States. It's global. It's global. London, Paris, Manila, and Maritime Southeast Asia. These places, you know, your largest city, largest cities in China. A lot of these cities are basically going; they're gentrifying. So it's not so much demographic basis uh, or, or color base. It's that a lot of these governments, these larger places, and what's interesting is if you compare a, a large city, like for instance, you take. Uh, a city like uh, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, any of those places, and a small-town government, let's say a small town has had a population of, let's say, 2,500 people or less. A lot of times in your your smaller cities, you know, 2,500 people or less, the mayor and the city council might get a stipend for being mayor or elected official in that neck of the woods. Just a little stipend, not enough to live on. They they have a they have their nine to five somewhere else. I know when I visited uh, like two 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 and a half years ago, you know, little towns in the, uh, uh what do you call it, Oklahoma and visited a couple of mayors. They just they had day jobs. You know, the, the council people, they had day jobs. And they, they might get a, I mean, the stipends yeah, might be grocery money for a month or something like that. But they, it, it's, or maybe two or three months, but it, it's small. However, and, the, you know, then if they do have some city services uh, like water, you know, the, the city employees are not unionized because unionized employees are expensive. Whereas if you go to a large city like a San Francisco, Washington, D.C., you know, typically the mayor, those mayors typically do not have a full, I mean, do not have a, a nine-to-five job. The mayor's position, the mayor's office is their nine-to-five job. Same thing with a lot of council members. Now, there might be some exceptions here and there uh, when it comes to large cities, but a lot of those mayors and all the members of city councilmen in your larger cities, many, not all, 
or that's their nine to five. And who's going to pay for that? The taxpayer. Then you have city employees. And, you know, like somebody's got to pick up the trash. Somebody's got to, you know, do the recycling. You know, somebody's got to pick up the phone. So a lot of those jobs in a larger city call for nine-to-five service from an in-person employee. Now, they could outsource some of that stuff. But for the most part, you know, it's politics. So why don't you hire somebody or let's create jobs within our city? And that's what a lot of these cities do. And then, of course, once that happens, well, you know, these government employees, these civil servants need pay raises to keep up with inflation. So a lot of these larger cities, it's uh, and occasionally they might have a reduction of force. But a lot of these larger cities are just, they're strapped for cash because they got to meet payroll and expenses. But a lot of these people that live in these cities that are civil servants, you know, that's what they want. And then along with your social services programs, all that stuff's expensive. So once again, gentrification is happening. It's on a global scale. Now, let's go back to the topic, the miseducation of Western civilization. Although in 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 the Western world, Western civilization, you have public schools, that offer a diversity of courses. Many of those courses sound great. Many of them, many of those students will go in life, go out in life and and do just well. However, there are going to be many that might obtain a degree in electrical engineering, but they go bankrupt. Something's wrong with that picture when an electrical engineer and to get to get that piece of paper, you have to be well versed in math, calculus, advanced math, trigonometry, and all this other stuff. But then they go bankrupt. Can't read a balance sheet. Something's wrong with that picture. So, when I say the miseducation of Western civilization, and, and we played that gentrification thing, there's some basic courses that I believe should be taught starting around I would say eight years old. Because in the case of gentrification, let's take the sleep or any of those cases. Gentrification doesn't happen overnight, number one. There's a process to which takes time. Number two is, if you own your neighborhood, you can't get gentrified. I believe, and this is where I believe miseducation is, grades 1 through 12, basically, make sure that you know how to read and count. That's what grades 1 through 12 is. Now, people can, you can 
Press one and call up six. Uh, what, what's the number? Six one one nine seven six eight two nine four five and put in your two cents. But grades one through twelve, read, write, and count. And you don't need twelve years and nine months each year to learn how to read, write, and count. You know, let's take it to one. Or the, I almost go from one through eight, and then they, you know, they go off and do the family business or what have you. So a lot of this is meant to. I believe that estate planning. If you start a child off learning about estate planning, having spelling bees on the vocabulary of estate planning, which is generational wealth, or how to you be accumulated and how to protect it. Have you know spelling bees on it, stuff like that. I mean, what is estate? What is a, what is estate planning? You know, spell the word estate, spell the word tort. You know, spell you know legal words, legal legalese. Start. I believe start them at eight years old. Was that about third grade? Them educate them on the law. Starting in the ninth grade, applied law, mind you. Because in law school, what they really do is they, law school is basically three to four years of preparing you to take the bar. It has nothing to do with applied law, what happens in reality. But in, anyway, getting back to. Teaching kids and starting in grades, maybe going back to fifth grade. And the reason why I'm saying that, teach them applied law, teach them applied politics, and teach them uh, a municipal, applied uh, municipal operations. Because a lot of local government agencies, they're essentially – Revenue collectors. They're revenue collectors. The police department is a de facto revenue collector. Besides writing tickets for speeding or jaywalking, you know, if, if they if they make arrests, there's revenue in there for the municipality. Administrative law, that's really all about, you know, using the law to collect revenue for the municipality, for the government. So these are some of the things that I believe that need to be taught starting, you know what, we're going to take it back to fifth grade instead of eighth grade. And the reason why I'm saying that because from fifth grade to, let's say, how old are you in fifth grade? Let's go back 12 years. I don't know. Um, Twelve years old. Or I'm, I'm thinking about a, uh, uh, um, let's say little Johnny or Jane. They're twelve years old, and they live in a neighborhood right now where it's safe, quiet, peaceful. Everybody knows everybody. 
And let's let's fast forward thirty years from now when they're about forty two. If they haven't prepared that neighborhood that is nice and playful and safe and everything will be gentrified. We're talking about a thirty year cycle. And it's too late when you're forty two to try to figure out how to save your neighborhood. You gotta go somewhere else and start all over again. That's why you have a lot of people in shelters. They never took a, play, a course on estate plan. You have to start this stuff, I, I believe, educating the young when they're young, fifth grade, so then by the time they're 18, and when I talk about applied law and applied municipal literacy and applied uh, law literacy and applied law enforcement literacy, when you learn when you learn these disciplines, then there'll be less people getting shot by the police at pullovers or walking down the street. There'll be less gentrification, people losing the family house. By the time they reach eighteen, and then part part of their education is they have to do some internships within government to see how it works. So by the time they're 18, okay, then they basically know how the system works. They know how their neighborhood works. They know how all neighborhoods in that particular city work, and they can they can basically protect, which would be the family home or the family business. Dr. Dr. Francis Cress Welvin the late Dr. Francis Chris Wilson. She was going through, her neighborhood got gentrified, and she was up in age at the time. I believe that's what's really killed. She was, she ended up being a lone wolf because it was a, it was a, a school there. Nothing wrong with the school. When somebody died, and and she lived in on the in the Gold Coast part of D.C. Nice area up near Rock Creek Park. I, I, I grew up near there. Now I didn't, I didn't grow up in the neighborhood, but still. So we're talking about half million million dollar homes. But when somebody died and on her block, on her block specifically. Neighbors didn't have any social capital. Neighbors didn't know any. There were no neighborhood barbecue, nothing, no neighborhood camaraderie. These are, that neighborhood was mostly black folks with wealth. Hell, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. She wasn't, that's just one of them that lived on the block. So how can a block, where you have people that are living in million dollar, half million or million dollar plus homes, how could your neighborhood get gentrified? That's what I'm saying. The miseducation of Western civilization. You can't start fighting people at 70 or 80 years of age, particularly if you're by yourself as a lone wolf. Can't do it. 
this matter of fact, part of this is documented. Right, Superior Court of Washington, D.C., look up Dr. Francis Cress Weldon. She's up there following suits, hiring lawyers. None of the lawyers that she, they just basically took her money because she was fighting alone. But if but if you you get your you know what it, it's a, it was a Jewish day school that basically took over the block because basically when somebody died in that neighborhood when Dr. Francis Chris Wilson's neighbor died and there was no other social capital on the block you know can I help you and all this other stuff what they what the school did because they the school was one of the neighbors too. The school helped the family and ended up buying the estate and then hired a zoning attorney get that home raised. And they ex- extended the boundaries of the school, which included a playground. And it went all the way up the, 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 uh, the border, um, what do you call it, the boundaries of the school, property line of the school, Extended all the way up to Dr. Francis Wells, Wilson's home. And I bet you those Jewish folks have Saturday school. And I bet you some of those kids learn some of those lessons for life through that whole process. You got to get these kids out of here. I'm going back with. Fifth grade, whatever kid is age is ever twelve years old, eleven years old, in fifth grade, and teach them about estate planning. Teach them how to think thirty, fifty, a hundred, a hundred and fifty years out, so you can keep like living here. You want your grand, you're going your kids and grandkids to come visit this house. Here's what you need to do now. Classes on Saturday. Come and bring something to share with the people. So we need to start taking class. Kids start taking class on estate planning. You know, uh, applied municipal law, other disciplines as well. Because if you, but like I said, this is happening globally. London, Paris, Manila, uh, your largest cities in China. And going back a little bit further on how ravenous big government can be when it comes to uh, even extend to the neighborhood level, when you get a chance, read about China's great leap, the great leap forward in China. The quick and dirty on it is this. And to see, it could be a preview of coming attractions in our country, the United States and other Western countries, where the Great Leap Forward, basically, landlords were demonized. Many were killed. Landlords now. A lot of mom-and-pop landlords, somebody that owned a duplex, triplex, Maybe they maybe they had a plot of land they were farming, but a lot of landlords doing the great in China were demonized, killed, land confiscated, and given to poor people. In the United States, they use housing court to do it. 
Now, like in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, they call housing court. Actually, the correct name for housing court should be, because some people call it housing court, some people call it environmental court, some people have other names, depending on what city you're in. The correct name for housing court is zoning court or building code court. What code enforcement officers do, I call them the Gestapo. What and in theory it sounds great. You know, they point when they ramp it up, they can find, cite anything on your property as a housing code violation. And with housing, just the nature of the beast, something always is going to need repair. And that's how a lot of neighborhoods just get gentrified. The problem, people know how to, you know, have, get a vested interest in that. And then next thing you know, you're up, just like the Salih thing. If you watch that 60-minute piece on YouTube, we're talking about a clean-cut neighborhood, white picket fence. Manicured lawns, but if your house did not have two bedrooms or two bathrooms or whatever, as the mayor of uh, at the time of uh, Lakewood, Ohio, said in this piece, your house will be considered blight. Blight, as far as a lot of municipalities go, have nothing to do with chip paint. The lawn wasn't cut. The roof is leaking, the building's falling down. Blight in a lot of your larger municipalities means something <clears throat> that can be cited, something that's abundant. Like we know these houses in this particular neighborhood, they might might be the picture of white picket fence America. But the abundance of these homes in this particular subdivision don't have two bathrooms. Or they don't have three bathrooms. The, the code could be, for instance, it could be for every three ba- for every bathroom. I mean, for every bedroom that you have in your house, a code could come in. At there should be ev- there should be a bathroom, one bathroom for every bedroom in the house. And the house that doesn't have this will be. Non-compliant, and we can write them up for them fresh. And if you don't correct it, then we can find you and auction the house off and one. That's one way they can do it. Other people have been arrested by growing vegetables in the front part of their lawn. The case in Detroit, I'm not Detroit, Michigan, and where this has happened to white folks. There's a case I'm trying to track down a lady that's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was growing food. In her yard, along with medicinal plants, so she wouldn't have to go to the emergency room. So she wouldn't have to go to the pharmacy. Yet, they made her dig it all up. Because if it ever reached building court, I mean, code enforcement court, like I say, they call it different things in different parts of the country. If you don't do what the judge says in contempt of court, then you go to jail.
Not as bad as the Great Leap Forward in China. Because the, the bottom line with the Great Leap Forward and code enforcement abuse is the government or somebody that knows how to manipulate government on how they can take your property. That's why, for me, I don't really deal in real estate. I, I got a little, but I, no more new real estate. I'll do land. Land is land. Land is not real estate. And housing. Housing is not real estate. Now, if you marry the two, and a perm with a, with a, a concrete slab, it becomes real estate. But I, I don't get into that. In the United States, as a matter of fact, globally, where the action is, if you want the maximum amount of freedom, is you need to be in a rural area, or at least have a backup plan in a rural area. And then, as part of your part of your children's or grandchildren's or great grandchildren's education, drill into, into their head. Do not fall in love with any one particular geographical area. I believe half the people who are homeless they can't they can't they they refuse to leave the particular. I mean, you got some people that are you, you can't pull them out of Toledo, Ohio. You can't pull them out of Los Angeles. The freedom for them where they can live right and prosper right, could be 45 minutes away, 30 minutes away, hour away. Not far to drive, but you can't pull them out of, you can't pull them out of their uh, geographical area for some, for some reason. Um, in any event, it all comes back to, that's what I'm saying, the, a lot of Western civilization education is, I consider a lot of it obsolete, not useful. Um, a lot of the a lot of the profit centers that happen for st- uh, local, state, and federal governments did not exist a hundred years ago. Family court, family court, basically is the weaponization of a family. This weaponized the kids. Let's weaponize the father of the kids. In some cases, let's weaponize the mother so the state can earn money. Let's weaponize a house. Oh, the grass wasn't cut. Let's weaponize that and generate income. Oh, the roof is how many years old? Not falling down, and it's still good condition, but it's not so many years old, and they haven't gotten a new roof. Let's weaponize the roof. Oh, growing food? Well, you know, Whole Foods and all these other people have lobbied, so they've lobbied, so they want to sell you vegetables. They don't want you growing your own. So let's weaponize your food supply. Let's make it illegal for you to feed yourself. That's where Western education is right now. The weaponization of the average person. And that's what grades 1 through 12 is in the Western world when it comes to education, including most private education. All they're basically doing is teaching you how to weaponize your life. 
And eventually, you'll end up in divorce court, family court, bankruptcy court. You're going to end up in one of those, you know, you, you or pay some government agency because you were miseducated. In any event, I'm off my soapbox for that. Um, but we'll get into more specifics as the week goes on. Like I said, miseducation of Western civilization. We want to play a piece here from a movie titled 99 Homes. Catching two pound bass. Excuse me. When I was six oh, years hold old. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Hey, you stole uh, you stole some tools from me yesterday during my eviction. Whoa, 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 what the fuck are you talking about, man? What's the you stole five hundred bucks. You're just making up bullshit. Working my fucking tools. I didn't steal your fucking tools. We have a form you can fill out. If you have an issue, just give me my tools. If you have an issue, we got a form you can fill out. No, just give me my tools. It's an inline look for your tools again. Yeah, but wait. You don't have a fucking house, right? What the fuck? What the fuck? God damn it! Sir, I, I, I was just, I was Sir, trying to intervene. Sir, I, what the fuck are you still doing here anyway? Huh? I, I thought, sir, I you thought, thought you said, Lord Almighty, you have evolved. Has Darwin himself come to Orlando, Florida? Well, Bill, we'll be there on time, Mr. Carver. Get to it. All right, yes. All right. All right, come on, Bomino's Freddy, let's go. Yeah. Guys, Buena Vista Lakes, here we go. And you, sir, are you finished? Because I got the cops on speed dial. They can chase you out of town over a bus of taillights. I didn't come here to fight. Well, that's good. I came here to get my tools that your guys stole. Do I look like Ace Hardware? I don't deal in you tools. Like I deal hardware. in homes. Your guys stole that's the tools different. yesterday. Yeah, I understand yeah, what you yeah. do, sir. Yeah, you do? I understand what you do. You okay. evicted me yesterday. You kicked me out yesterday. I didn't kick you out. The bank did. I just represented. Richard Carver. What? You've got to be kidding me. When? Uh-huh. Yeah, fuck hazmat. I'll call him myself. 914, Shader Drive, now. What about via... Uh, Move it! Yes, sir. Let's go. Mr. Carver, sorry to interrupt your day. You Miguel? What? Do you work? You got tools. You do construction? Yeah, I, I do work. 914, Shader Drive. I'll pay $50 cash. What? Are you kidding me? $50 shouldn't be a joke to you, son. Are you going to look into my mother? Fucking shit! Follow against Blair Street to cover via Alazar. Good. Flip that this quarter. And Lando left code enforcement? Yeah, I got a short sale for that cocksucker. I'll email you the details. <laughs> okay. All right. Afternoon, boss. Yeah. Love the new ride. Range Rover HSE. Is this the Nash eviction? Yeah. Anyone home? Uh, I'm not sure, but it, his vehicle is home, so I'm assuming yes. All right, let's get to it. All right. Morning, y'all. How's it going?
Is that the one? Sheriff's Department, come to the door. What? Sheriffs are here. Why are they here? Sheriff's Department, you need to come to the door. I think. We just gotta explain it. We just gotta explain it. Okay. Good afternoon. Afternoon. I'm uh, Deputy Anderson with the Sheriff's Department, and uh, we're here to serve you with a court-ordered eviction. Okay. Well, so, sir, ma'am, uh, do you have any weapons on your body or anywhere in the house that we need to know about? No, 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 no. Uh, not Mr. Carver. Good morning, sir. Ma'am, my name is Rick Carver. I'm a licensed real estate broker. Mr. Carver. Rick. Hi. And. Uh, I'm very sorry to tell you that this home has been foreclosed on and officially transferred to the bank. And I'm going to need you to please vacate the premises. No, I, I understand what you're saying, Mr. Carver, and I've, 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 we've been getting our eviction notices. I was in court yesterday, yeah. and uh, the judge informed me that I got 30 days yeah. to file for an appeal, and that's what I intend to well, do. Well, if you posted bond and you have an emergency stay signed by the judge, you're welcome to well, I got a question. You guys didn't get any... Uh, rescheduling of the what eviction date. What I received day. is a court order signed by a judge. It says you are to vacate these premises today. We were scared this of home that. is owned by the bank. This is the information that we have. You understand? And we're sorry to waste your time, yeah. but sorry. they obviously My office didn't reach you offered you $3,500 cash for key settlement from the bank, we're which would have given you plenty of time to vacate the premises, and you refused. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, we didn't refuse. We we tried to so save I'm, our home. I'm, we were trying I'm to sorry. save our home. I know this is a very painful time. I know, and it's well, a difficult thing to to carry through on for me as well but the, the time has come you have to leave the property you are trespassing right now you are breaking the law sir this is our home all right so we just well we're going in minutes. circles here so i'm gonna let the sheriffs take care of it okay randy we've got a judge sir and a lawyer who told us we can stay is this your mom yeah, this is my yeah. All right, I'm going to need you and your mom to step off the property now. Just, you know what? If you all can come hours. back, what we're going to do? Come what back tomorrow, same what? time. What? And if we don't have the papers, we don't have the proof. We're in process then we with a lawyer. Leave. We have a lawyer. Then we, we, we got it all okay. figured out. Folks, folks, just give listen, us a day. Listen to me. Give us we can a day. we can dance together, but we can't talk together. Okay. okay? We need right. to not, listen, not close the door. We need a day. We need a day. We need a day. This is what I'm going to do. No, we need a day. We need a day. This is my home. I can do whatever I want. Two minutes. To pack whatever belongings you need, you know, cash, checkbook, no, medicine, anything that you need. Yeah, this is this is happening. No, All right, look. I'm getting the judge said I got 30 so days. So this right. can't be happening Ma'am, excuse, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, excuse me. Wait, what is walking by, sir? I don't know if this is. We can't let you excuse me. Once we start, excuse me, please, please don't. Sir, listen to me, sir. There's there are two ways that we can do this. All right, an easy way, which you do what you're told and ask. All right, the other way is that I take you and your mom to jail. Okay, do you want your mom to go to jail? What I'd like you to do, take advantage of the two minutes, gather what you need, as far as cash, checkbooks, medicines, things that you need. Excuse me, sir, would you, would you mind stepping outside of the property, sir? Listen to me, listen to me, sir. All right, I'm a, let, let me put it to you this way. Excuse me? Right. This is your home, son. Mr. Carver? Excuse me? Mr. Carver? According to Florida Statute 801.08, I have the authority to Sir, take you. Sir, we have the right to an attorney, right? Then why are you sitting in a lawyer? And somebody forgot to call you. We don't get a lawyer. Better not to get emotional right now. You're kicking us out of our house. Please, okay, please. Please, look, Enough of this. Enough of this. Let's go. Let's go. Get what you need to get. Let's go. No more of this. Sir, I don't need your help. Okay. I can take a minute. Do you need to follow a woman into her bedroom? Is that what's happening? 
I got a full house here. I'm going to have to be late to the next one. I don't know. It's just apartment policy. Nice. Money, checkbook, things like wallets, pictures. I'm trying to get pictures! Does he have to stand there with her? Yes, sir. Does he have to fucking stand there while she packs up her fucking underwear? Is that right? Dennis, Let her take the plan. You don't need your plan. Two minutes is what? A courtesy. Oh, my God. You're trespassing right now. Oh, my God. I know it's don't. painful to hear, but it's the truth. Just... This is our home. Oh, my God. Anything else, Sam? Oh, my toaster. What? My toaster oven makes toast for my grandson. Uh-huh. Ma'am.
it, your 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 housing is not classified as real estate. And we're going to do a podcast on that maybe this week, the distinction between real estate and housing. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, what's that, that, that saying that's been around for eons that keep, more, more millionaires have been made in real estate than any other, you know, venture on earth. I'm saying bullshit. More accurately, more money has been made in housing. And there's a distinction between how a trailer and Billy Bob's trailer park is not real estate. That mobile home is, since it is mobile, it is housing. That's the business I'm in now, housing. You don't want to get into real estate. Get into the housing business. Housing and real estate are not the same thing. You can use real estate for housing. But if you want to get into pure housing, get into something where it's mobile, not permanent. You can pick it up and move it to another location you on you can move it. But the moment it becomes permanently, that housing is permanently attached to the land in that geographical area, it becomes real estate. It will be assessed on a yearly basis if somebody doesn't pay the water bill and you get stuck because there are tons of people that have lost their family home because they couldn't pay the municipal water bill. And the city puts a lien on a house and sells the house. And the ancestral house is gone. That happens Monday through Friday. The type of house that we'll be teaching people how to build are off-grid, not off-grid real estate, off-grid housing. You own it. You can truly say it's my house. Mind you, I didn't say it's my real estate. It's my house. So we'll, 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 it's pretty simple, but we'll break that down because, like I say, concentrate on housing, but that, the, 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 the cliche, whatever the hell it is, more money is made, no, no, bullshit. More money has been made in housing. Three one four, your mic is open. Hey, LA, make sure you take pictures so we can keep track of you. Oh yeah, we're, we're uh, not only that pictures and video. We plan on doing live streams when we do that. We're, we're gearing up. We'll, we'll do those five days a week in real time as we go. All right, I'm in. I'm. I can't wait until you guys get going. Yeah, and uh, we'll be doing it in different locations as well. So we'll. We'll probably end up in your neck of the woods, uh, out in the rural part, though. Um, yeah, you ain't gonna be doing it in my city. All right, 
Hey, uh, that clip okay. where they was putting these people out the house was it that on YouTube? Uh, that it's uh, yeah, they probably yeah, it's called Ninety Nine Homes. The trailer is on YouTube. All right then. Okay, all right. Thanks for calling that. Um, and that I, matter of fact, Sister Bay, uh, she put me on to that movie. Those, thank you, Sister Bay, again. If you guys come across a movie documentary anything just let me know and um we'll uh we'll get it on uh four people uh let's see okay today's monday all right so oh man i, I got a lower all right so that that's it for today um and we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, like I said, we'll, we might touch on uh, or go into more detail on uh, uh, the miseducation of Western civilization or go into the distinction between real estate and housing. On that note, everyone have a good rest of the day. 